Am I pretty echoey? I mean, my office is not a dead recording space by any means. I'll fix that in post. Okay, you post it. What up? Hey, Gabe. I put it away. Uh, Gabe says no. I don't want to drink whiskey right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want rosé, but I didn't have any good beer in my fridge. There's no judgment here, friend. I mean, I do have good beer in my fridge, but... You don't want to open it. I didn't want to open it by myself, yeah. I mean, I'm not technically by myself, but... <laughs> you are alone. Physically. In my principles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes off. That's right. That hits it's on. on one of my principles. Gabe, what's up, Steve? <laughs> who do we have with us today? Ask me that. Ask me that question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Stephen, who do we have with us today? <laughs> well, we have back to the podcast for the second time, I think, my brother, Tim Burnett. Hey, everybody. It's me. That's true. And you can hear him previously on episode 35, the Capitalism Podcast. What a banger that was. Where he breaks down uh, life as we know it. (laughs) (laughs) And how we live in a society. We live in a society. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, this is going to be quite a different mood and tone for this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about Cobra Kai, specifically season four and also elements of the whole show. We did a season three cast. We did one episode on this before of season three last year around this time, which was the one year anniversary. We're like almost at the two year anniversary of our podcast existing. Wild. So if you want to hear more about season three, go back and listen to that episode. But full spoilers from this point on, because we're just going to talk about it. We'll do a quick breakdown of what happens. Well, first I should maybe... It's very plot dense. It's a show. It is. <laughs> it is, man. It really, actually really is. And that's, that's the conversation. And if you woke up and watched it <laughs> the way that I've been telling you to, then... Cobra Kai is on the bottom of my you, list. You would know. Whoa! Gabe literally said, there's nothing I'd rather watch less... less. Well, that's not entirely true. That's what you said. I might have said that. But, but he said that. Listen, people say things, okay, when they're heated. Hey, that's low praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's not, I was never very attached to the Karate Kid movies. Oh. I didn't even watch them until I was an adult, so. What year were you born? 1994, according to okay. my birth certificate, so. <laughs> well, that's part of, I mean, in my opinion, like the most interesting part of the conversation surrounding this show is... And I said this in the last podcast, I think a year ago, is it actually good or is it just good because uh, it solely relies on our nostalgia and our remembrance of Karate Kid and the feelings of Karate Kid that that we all had Mm -hmm. growing up with it? Like, I, I would love to know the demographic of people, like like a breakdown of the demographic of the people that actually watch this show to see if mm-hmm. anyone older than, I don't know. Right. I have some friends who are like early 50s who watch it pretty religiously. I mean, and even Gabe is technically born in the era of the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank. So, <laughs> I mean, technically, you know, you should be in that demographic as well. But Was that the third Karate Kid? Fourth. It was the fourth. It was the fourth? Yeah. How many were, were Daniel? Three. LaRusso had three. Three. Wasn't there one with? Will Smith's kid? That was uh-huh. that was the remake. That was a whole other thing I was thinking. That's a whole tangential idea, but it'd be funny if Jaden Smith oh my showed up in this <laughs> universe. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he would, but well, just yeah. knowing Jaden Smith and the type of work that he takes, I don't think he would, but it would be interesting to see his really highbrow uh, catalog of film. And I think it was Jackie Chan who played sort of the Miyagi. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Who I love still. Miyagi, the next generation. But this show is fascinating for that reason, and it's a whole conversation. My brother was born in 
83, I think, right? And so I feel like, because I was born in 87, that a lot of the stuff that happened in the 80s that inspired you then trickled down to me. And so like I have fond memories of the 80s as if I was participating in it more extensively than I actually was because I just, I have ideas and memories of what it was like. Trickle down nostalgia. That came down because my brother was like, you got to see this. You got to know what this toy is or this cartoon or whatever. And so Karate Mm -hmm. Kid, along with like this whole movement, I guess, of karate themed movies and and television series that was targeted at our demographic when we were younger. We had things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers. We had uh, then a bunch of ninja movies. We had three ninjas and surf ninjas. And uh, Oh, man. Yeah. What is a surf ninja for those? Who, you know, I think know. you know. I think you know exactly what it I is. Really, I really don't. <laughs> you really need to. Oh, my man, maybe. And Karate Kid was at the center of that. I remember we went to take karate lessons by the person who was the stunt fill-in for Billy Zabka's character, I think, right? He was, at, uh, if he wasn't Billy Zabka's character, he was at least one of the painted the skull-faced yeah. gang that... Uh, Miyagi beat the shit out of so and we took karate lessons in the early 90s from him wow you know what his name was I don't remember David Crockett that's not a joke that's not a joke (laughs) how far does this rabbit hole go (laughs) you ever heard of Davy Crockett yeah that's so funny but anyway yeah because of that whole swing I feel like karate or any sort of martial arts was a heavy part of the culture growing up and specifically in the late 80s early 90s well and because you know as got riffed on in season four of cobra kai there was like blood sport and all these jean-claude van damme movies and uh it became this whole genre in and of itself too that transcended karate kid but but for the more you like some of the the other movies and and shows you were referencing were really aimed i think toward younger folks and i think i do think karate kid was sort of the instigator yeah for those i do remember hearing that people who were a little bit older at the time that karate kid came out thought it was cheesy um like they watched it and like that was a really cheesy movie but you know growing up i thought it was like the coolest thing ever (laughs) yeah well, it's like if the Stranger Things kids saw it, you know, they would have been like, what the was that? Yeah. Kind of like they did with Back to the Future. Right, right. <laughs> so funny. Do you yeah. remember the, them talking about like, did he just like kiss his mom? Like <laughs> something like that. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but for those of us who grew up with Back to the Future, it's like, oh, no way. That's just what happened. You know, that's the plot. <laughs> yeah. Gabe, do you want to quickly break down the cast? And pronounce the names. Oh, God. Everybody's favorite segment. A running gag in this podcast has been him trying to pronounce things. I'm so yeah. excited for some of these. It's mostly pretty straightforward. I already know how to pronounce Ralph Macchio. There you go. That's Daniel LaRusso, the main character from the first film, and several of the other films. And several of the other seasons of Cobra Kai. <laughs> and, and his sometimes rival, sometimes comrade, William Zapka. Yep, Billy. Johnny Lawrence. <laughs> now is where it gets interesting. Some of the younger cast. The character who is Miguel Diaz <laughs> is played by Z- Zolo Maraduena. 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 Yep. You nailed okay. it. We got Billy Russo's wife is played by Courtney. Wait, Billy <laughs> Russo? 
Wait, or, did, did I say, okay, wait, Johnny Lawrence. No, 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 it's Danny. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. You should probably just watch the show. Amanda LaRusso. Yeah, Daniel LaRusso's wife. Is Courtney Hengeller. She's the best actor in the show, by the way. Or, we can have that debate. But ha- Hangler. I want to say Hangler. I just mean in terms of acting skills. Yeah, and keep going. Robbie Keane is played by Tanner Buchanan. Yes, <laughs> Robbie is Johnny Lawrence's son in the show. Keep going. Why does he have a different name? Uh, because they're estranged. Oh, Interesting. Samantha LaRusso is Mary Mauser. That is Daniel's daughter. Eli Hawk Moskowitz <laughs> is Jacob Bertrand. Yep. And then Dimitri is Gianni Desenzo. A Desenzo. Uh, John Kreese. Yep, he's in there. Is back. Yep. Is Martin Cove. Or that's, I mean, that's the real name is Martin Cove. <laughs> <laughs> Strong start. Strong start, you guys. Carmen Diaz is Vanessa Rubio. (laughs) That's McGill's mom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tori Nichols is Peyton List. Yeah. She plays Peyton. No, she plays Tori. (laughs) (laughs) This is rough. This is This is the worst. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I didn't say him. And then Anthony LaRusso is played by Griffin Santo Pietro. He's also a good actor. Is he? He was really good. Almost too good for the show. (laughs) He was dancing around his co-stars. So then there are a couple new people in this season. One of them was Terry Silver, played by... Is he really new, Steven? Yeah, is he? Back from Karate Kid 3. (gasps) And apparently a psychopath, because I never saw Karate Kid 3. He's a psychopath? I remember seeing that one in the theater. Really? Oh, yeah. What happens in Karate Kid 3? I might need to get another rosé. We're going to need more (laughs) rosé. Terry Silver is played by Thomas Ian Griffith. And then there's another young kid who starts off in a very sweet way and then becomes... Uh, sort of a villain by the end of the season. His name in the show is Kenny Payne, and he's played by a young actor named Dallas Young. Yeah. Kenny Payne? Thomas Ian Griffith, not to be confused with Thomas Ian Nicholas, who played Rookie of the Year in the uh, (laughs) smash hit. Rookie of the Year. 1993 hit, Rookie of the Year. (laughs) Sure. Okay, so those are the characters. This show has a lot going on, even though Gabe refuses to watch it. How much does it have going on exactly? A lot. A lot? There's these elements of the older generation who is continuing sort of this bittersweet rivalry and trying to navigate their feelings and emotions about that rivalry while trying to continue their dojos. And then there's the newer generation who are all being influenced by the older generation and trying to make their own decisions and make a mark for themselves as students of these dojos while also navigating their own complicated plot lines and storylines and love stories and love lines, love lines, whatever love life. That's what I was trying to say. And there's constantly all these twists and these turns and people over the course of the show so far have switched dojos. The kids who started training with Danny LaRusso are now training with John Kreese and vice versa. So there's a lot going on. So that kind of sets up with where we are in season four. It starts with Johnny Lawrence somehow is no longer the head of Cobra Kai and John Kreese becomes the head of Cobra Kai. And then Johnny decides to team up with Daniel LaRusso at his dojo while still trying to maintain the fact that he's a separate dojo operating within Daniel's dojo. Scandalous. Yeah. And then so they, Daniel and Johnny, still continue their rivalry, even though they're trying to put the past behind them. And then John Kreese brings in Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3. And at first he doesn't want to join, but then he decides... Uh, yeah, I'm going to be a psychopath again. So then he joins and tries to maintain everything. There's a bunch of stuff that happens with the kids. Then they have the All-Valley Tournament again at the end of this season. I think the last time we saw that was at the end of season two, maybe? No, one? I think we saw it at the end of season one. Because the end of season two was when Miguel broke his back. Like Batman? 
Yeah. And then uh, season uh, literally, yes. Season three, he has to like come back from having his back broken. <laughs> Jesus. We've been waiting for the next All Volley tournament, which happens at the end of this season. And a bunch of stuff happens. Cobra Kai essentially wins. And there was a bet on that tournament that the other dojos would have to shut down. So what? Cobra Kai won the tournament, but Miyagi-Do, Daniel's dojo, handed down to him from Mr. Miyagi from the original Karate Kid. One of his guys, the guy that plays Eli or Hawk, takes it for the male division, the men's, the boys division. And Carrie Underwood is in it. What? (laughs) The singer for a second, that was crazy. Jesus, take the wheel, carry it. Yeah, that was the, the black same. belt. Did you say she's a black belt? Yeah, in real life or in the show? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> you had me going there for a second. He was being sarcastic. I was deadpan. You know, my favorite Marvel character. <laughs> deadpan. <laughs> At the end of the show, Terry Silver pushes out John Kreese, essentially sending him to jail. What? For beating up this, or actually not beating up this other guy. And uh, so then that sets up season five with Terry Silver at the head of Cobra Kai and everyone else is kind of off to the wayside. And there's a couple theories out there about what's going to happen next. And there's also a little bit of uh, back and forth on whether or not the show is going to continue after season five, whether it's going to go into a season six or more. You were under the assumption that it was going to end after season five, I think, right? It might. Again, I don't know if I heard that. I just I just knew that they'd only been renewed for two seasons or something at the time. I wouldn't be surprised if it keeps being successful if they go on for longer. But I do feel like some of the arcs of the storylines are coming to a a close. So it'd be hard for them to kind of make up new ones. Although with some of these fan theories about, you know, season five and beyond, there could be a lot of trajectories that would be interesting. And I think I would stay watching. So, yeah, Gabe may not. There's a lot of people who love this show. So there's a theory that some old students of Terry Silver, who their respective actors have expressed interest in returning to the show, might come in to play in season five and be new villains. But anyway, the larger conversation I think here is, is it good? (laughs) Hmm. And honestly, I don't know. I find nothing but joy when I'm watching this show and Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of history here too, where Netflix sort of bought the rights and the show and started making, producing the show starting with season three after YouTube TV, whatever that was streaming service. That's where the show started and then sort of handed it over to Netflix to produce. So I feel like it's really self-aware. Like Netflix knows that it's cheesy, but it has some really brilliant writing of characterization behind it. And, uh, the way that the character arcs, the story arcs play out, they seem intelligent. And then it seems to know when it's being kitschy intentionally. And that kind of just makes it so interesting. A great example was there's a montage of Billy Zabka running almost in the same garb as Josh Brolin from the Goonies with like the the cutoff shirt and stuff. And he's running and he's angry while he's in this montage and there's an 80s song playing and he starts pushing people and stealing people's bikes. And all of a sudden you see a bald eagle fly in the sky as if like that's the, the thing that Billy Zabka is imagining, Johnny Lawrence is imagining in his mind. And it was so funny when it happened. I'm just giggling like a young lad watching this show because it's so funny, but I am unsure if it's actually good. And I'm, I'm curious what you think, Tim. Oh, me? Because I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's good. 
Really? Beca- be- well, because as if there were any way to gauge objectively goodness or beauty in art, right? Like, I think, you know, without lapsing into metaphysics, I would say subjectivity runs all the way down. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that, like you, like you just confessed, Stephen, you know, you enjoy watching the show and you love every minute of it so what is good what is not good i mean are we are we talking about writing credits like are we talking about cinematographic elements in the show are we talking about like what are we talking about as a whole like if you enjoy it seems pretty pretty valuable to me in the sense of good or beautiful so i think again is is it going to win an emmy I heavily doubt it, um, <laughs> but I don't even think that's the point, as you alluded to. Like, that's not what they're going for. So, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a quick take on that. But sure, of course, it's good. We're, we're, we're t- why is it on your podcast? I mean, it's not just because we're debating whether or not it's good. It's like it was worth spending the time to record this. It's also in the consciousness of pop culture today. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's trending. The zeitgeist. It is trending. <laughs> But I also, yeah, yeah, I enjoy it because I often I view things in a couple ways. One is this is technically proficient. This is masterclass filmmaking or television making. Second thing is I'm enjoying the crap out of this on a personal level. Right. If someone were to ask me, for example, what's the best movie ever made? I wouldn't say Jurassic Park. That's my personal favorite movie ever made. But I would say something like Citizen Kane or Godfather or Shawshank Redemption. People often put that up there. And so there's like a difference. There's a disconnect there in my mind where I'm like, technically, I know that this is not great, but I'm enjoying this. I don't know if that was a great example because Jurassic Park is like still one of the best movies, I think. No, no, I'm saying like best movie ever. Like all time. I mean, it's I guess pretty if, good. If you're talking like, yeah, I mean, I. If, a lot of people you, would disagree with that. I'm talking like the subjectivity, objectivity idea is like interesting because a lot of film critics would say best films are Casablanca, Citizen Kane, Godfather, but or Godfather 2. That's completely subjective. Like my, my point is that it's like when people release like the definitive list of the top five best gangster movies, like according to who? The yeah. person who wrote the article. You know, which is subjective. So, and that's how it's always going to be. And even something like the Academy giving out awards, like, is subjective, right? It's human beings voting on their favorite thing that year. Sure. It's funny because as a corollary here, like, sports has gravitated towards, I think this was, like, shown in Moneyball, but, like, the data can actually, they can calculate, like, what players actually best. It's not, like, my favorite player anymore, because he's on my team and he's like the best player on the team. It's like, there's so many data components now that what they can do is basically tell you who's like the best for the money on the market right now. Who's going to give you the most runs? Who's going to get like, there's something called war, which is a stat that didn't exist. Like when I was growing up, like that basically tells you what they're worth in terms of their run potential. But there's nothing like that for art where there's enough data points to be like, this was the best movie made this year. It's going to be a bunch of humans getting together to decide what was the best. And that's true, I think, across the board for art because we're all living from our own life experience and Jurassic Park hits for you in a way that it may not for somebody else because of your experience with it. Mm-hmm. I also would say like in terms of film, it's a great movie. Like it's one, I mean, it's wonderful. Uh, um, but mm-hmm. I just don't think there's an objective scale to rate film. I think if you get enough humans across a long sample of saying that this is higher on their list, that's a good argument mm-hmm. for 
something being really good. Like you said, Citizen Kane, some of those movies will be really high up on a lot of people's lists. That's a good, I, that's the best sort of argument for some kind of objective best film. Mm-hmm. But I don't know personally if I would think that, that there's such thing as like objectively the best movie ever or the best show ever personally. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting into theory of art rather than like, <laughs> well, no, I, mean, I, I think that's that's a large part of the conversation mm-hmm. but i mean let's just switch gears so like what did you like most about this season okay i think what's been fascinating about the show is that while there's the cheesy elements you already mentioned and the the 80s training montages and things like that not dissimilar to like you know rocky or something like that it, it mm-hmm. and eagle fang is just a ridiculous karate dojo name and there's literally yeah. eagles flying and you know what i mean and yeah despite all those elements i think what keeps people feeling the way that you said you felt about the show is that the characters are surprisingly complex and over the arc of the show so far they've done mm-hmm. a surprisingly wonderful job continuing to draw that out in ways that are sort of surprising and unexpected you know because you'd think like having watched the first couple of karate kid movies it's just like Johnny and Daniel and they're they're just battling it's like a classic rivalry situation but really mm-hmm. like what is opened up in this show I mean, the first season started with Johnny like binge drinking, right? Mm-hmm. And you start to see this humanity come out that you sort of unexpected in like, no, he's the bad guy to Danielson, who's like obviously the good guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening over the course of the show, and I think in, you know, to sort of hit at your question, that ended up happening in fresh ways in season four was that the unexpected dimensions of of the character's humanity was shown in new ways, which I think the way that this show has done it repeatedly well has been to illustrate that Daniel has a dark side, you know, and then this season it sort of came out as like, hey, there's some Cobra Kai in you. And then that Johnny right. has a good side. And yeah. um, and so they've, they've played with that in almost every character across the board, not just Johnny and Daniel, and shown the struggle for good and the struggle to... Uh, not just embrace one's shadow side or dark side, but to integrate it into mm-hmm. in and to not be dualistic about thinking that success yeah. would be being an only a good person instead of an evil person, but to own your right. shadow and to come to a place where you are balanced. Yeah. That again is not just about karate, but that's about their humanity. And so sure. what was most interesting to me about season four was that they did that with John Kreese a little bit. They give a little wink to that at the end of the season, which given his track record through the show was totally unexpected right yeah who they haven't done that with yet is the new character not new but who was introduced to cobra kai in season four terry silver my thought is that they'll do that at some point in season five is give him some humanity as well Well, they sort of tried to start off with that but but it didn't really it it almost like was like a pretend sort of thing because of what he became in the season you know by the way the most dramatic opening to a cobra kai season ever i know (laughs) you know ridiculous (laughs) with him at the piano you mean yeah 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 yeah. that's the thing is like so much of the show is over the top and ridiculous yeah and then like i said the writing is is seemingly very intelligent in the way that they humanize the characters instead of keeping them in these dualistic places. Terry Silver started in this place where he had seemingly put the past behind him and he had spent years through rehab and all this stuff and he's now a rich person who has done very well for himself and has put all these old ways behind him. He even calls himself like a psychopath at some point before he decides to become one again. (laughs) 
and then ends up owning it. But I liked what you said about uh, integration because one of the most interesting things about season four to me was how they took Daniel LaRusso's son, who was like literally no one. Yeah. Yeah. He was introduced for like a couple scenes in season one and maybe popped up in season two. I think he was completely absent for season three and they brought him back as a whole person and character for this season out of nowhere. And his whole thing with, again, the character that they introduced this young kid, very innocent, loves gaming, like a Minecraft kind of game. He's new to this school and he starts going and he's being bullied the whole time. So he goes and his name's Kenny. So Kenny goes to school. He goes to try to figure out how to defend himself from these bullies. So he goes to one of the dojos and they reject him at first and then they finally accept him. And the dojo is Cobra Kai. It's like, you know, the evil or the bad dojo in the show. And then learns the Cobra Kai's ways and then ends up becoming... Like I said earlier, like a villain toward the end and going to a dark place that even Robbie, who was originally trained with Miyagi-Do and now is at Cobra Kai, sees as darker than he would have liked this young kid to go, who's younger than everyone, very impressionable. And you fall in love with this kid that they introduce in like one of the episodes and then they play that story out throughout the whole season and you're like, wow, they really did that whole thing. The thing that the whole show has been about, they did it with this one character throughout just this one season. And they also flipped the coin on Daniel LaRusso's son, who originally was the bully and then in the end tries to have a moment of recompense where he apologizes to him. And then Kenny ends up choosing the dark side and beats him down. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking about the generational aspect the whole time. These are kids that we're talking about and impressionable juveniles. Yeah. Impressionable kids. And I think, and they mentioned that a few times, LaRusso and Lawrence both mentioned that. That's a whole other fascinating aspect, thinking about the next generation of impressionable kids and Mm -hmm. what the current generation is handing down to the next generation. Well, I mean, I think speaking of generations, to me, the theme of the show is daddy issues. Mm. I mean, I think it's inescapable to say otherwise. I mean, because like if you think about it, mm-hmm. the beginning of Karate Kid 1, Daniel LaRusso moving with his single mom, you know, to Reseda, mm-hmm. you start to see in Cobra Kai season one that that Johnny's binge drinking is attached to him not having a father and his stepdad being like not a great influence Mm -hmm. uh, and hasn't reconciled that in himself. I think obviously Miyagi became a father figure to Daniel and has now passed away. And so he's, he's wrestling with the inner demons of trying to integrate Miyagi's absence now, which is an echo of his own dad's absence. And then Kreese being a father figure (laughs) for Johnny. And then you have Miguel, Mm -hmm. you know, who doesn't have a father. And now he's ended this season going to explore that because he saw that Johnny hasn't even figured that out for himself yet. Mm -hmm. You got Robbie Keane, who has daddy issues with Johnny because Johnny was literally absent for most of his life. And Mm -hmm. as you said, estranged. And now, which I also thought, by the way, that that moment of them kind of coming together toward the end was beautiful because Robbie, to me, even though he was with Cobra Kai, seemed to be the most balanced character in season four right. all the way through. Right, yeah. Like he was exhibiting a sort of maturity, I, I mean, yeah. that was beyond his years, but he's yeah. been through a lot technically, you know? So, yeah. but that just keeps going and going. Like with, with Hawk, we don't know anything about his father. With Dimitri, we don't. With Tori, guess what? 
single mom, yeah. <laughs> no dad. Like it's, it's unbelievable. It's like you just keep going. Mm-hmm. So part of like what I was alluding to earlier, which is the fact that they're trying. Well, I think this is about humanity in general, but we're all trying to become integrated human beings, which doesn't mean to push away the dark, but means to learn how to live with shadow and with goodness and to be doing as much as we can to live toward beauty in the world. And the way, the the mechanism I feel like this show is using to draw that out over and over again is the absence of a father figure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the show heads to, I loved when Johnny sort of told um, Miguel's mom that he's going to like find him mm-hmm. and like, help him Mm -hmm. because all we know is that Miguel's dad doesn't know anything about him and that he's a bad dude and so I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny goes down and tries to like find him and and figure out how to kind of remedy that clearly he's cool with Robbie now I mean maybe Robbie would even go help I don't know but the point being like I think Johnny's actually a little further along in dealing with his daddy issues than Daniel because Mm -hmm. Daniel's never fully been able to sort of be Miyagi. I think that's what he wants so badly to be. Mm -hmm. And he struggled with Sam in doing that because, again, in this season, Sam sort of has to use Johnny's wisdom to get closer to becoming a champion, right? Right. So she goes eagle fang on Tori in the match to get the points she needs. Or actually was in the semifinals, I think. And Daniel's like, where'd you learn that? And he's like, not you. You know, like... (laughs) And so there's this tension there that keeps getting played out in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, I mean, we haven't even talked about in terms of this father archetype thing, uh, the absent father archetype, Crease and Terry Silver, right? right? Like, not only do we not know about their fathers, but we know about their war history. And mm-hmm. Crease is sort of the general, the captain. I don't know exactly what his rank was, yeah, but yeah. in the in their troop. And so he was sort of a father figure to Terry yeah. Silver. And guess what Terry Silver said that his weakness, is, the whole, there's also this theme of weakness, but guess what he says his weakness? was was crease yeah right so like there's again the father hole opens back up again right and now we see somebody else trying to vie for power by forsaking their father right and so now guess what it's not going to do it's not going to go well for you terry silver (laughs) you know what i mean like it just that's the whole thing i mean for me that's like what this whole show is about you brought up a lot of interesting issues going off of that daniel never miyagi was the fill-in for his father so he never really got opportunity to deal with his father issues because Miyagi Mm -hmm. immediately stepped in and so he idolizes Miyagi which is why he's constantly talking about him all the time Mm -hmm. he he doesn't shut up about him like there's often and I love that they introduced that idea and they flash back to one of the Karate Kids I'm not sure which one where he said one day you'll have to do what's right for you. It's almost like Miyagi was trying to tell him one day you're going to have to stop relying on me so much and you know, make your own way in this world. And I don't think Daniel has done that yet. I don't think he's done that work. And so that's an interesting idea that you uh, just introduced. I didn't really even think about that until just now, but uh, yeah, very true. And it is a theme, a, a prominent theme in the show. I do like the idea of the show being about balance though. It's like if, if they mm-hmm. end the show where all the people that you care about are balanced more than they were than when we met them in season one, mm-hmm. I think that'll be a great place to end the show. Uh, Okay, so like the other side of this that Cobra Kai is sort of playing off of is nostalgia, right? So like what their their opportunity for future seasons is to keep bringing in characters that would 
spark the interest of those who were like Karate Kid fans in the 80s and 90s, right? So, like, we were talking, you alluded to some of the fan theories about who might show up in season five. I mean, one of those folks is uh, Sean Kanan, I think is the name of the actor. And he plays uh, Mike Barnes in Karate Kid 3. And he's like the uh, privileged student of Terry Silver. Right. And so, like, if he comes, like, you know, there's always these team-ups that are happening in Cobra Kai. Yeah. But again, he's just a blast from the past that if he shows up, it's going to be like for fans, it's going to be like, what? You know, let alone if like Hillary Swank showed up for a minute. Not that everybody who like loves Karate Kid would be <laughs> super psyched on Hillary Swank's version of the Karate Kid uh, sure. showing up, especially Michael Scott may have some issues with that. <laughs> but I think, you know, generally it would be awesome. Like I would be like, yeah. if she came in for like a two episode cameo, like yeah. Elizabeth Shue did yeah. at the end of yeah. last season, yeah. like we'd be like, yes. You know, like the yeah. Karate Kid universe is complete. Yes. You know, like, uh, so I think they have opportunities to do that kind of stuff for yeah. like one or two or three, maybe more seasons. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if five is the last one. I think they could tie it up really to your point of balance really well if they wanted to. But there's still more. Yeah. I don't think the Jaden Smith thing is going to happen personally, no, 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 but no. I was joking about that. But yeah, I mean, if Crease sees what he's unleashed in Terry Silver as like, like he sort of started to again like nod or wink toward at the very end of this season like no i'm not gonna go with that Mm -hmm. as like the product of his teaching in any way Mm -hmm. i think he could go back to teaming up with johnny or daniel even Mm -hmm. to be like i'm out on this other stuff in fact he's in jail right now as far as we know but i don't think he's gonna stay there do you think we could see that character die not crease not the actor but the character die in a way that would be sort of redemptive redemptive for his uh i don't think he's gonna i don't know why he would die all of a sudden he's not like sick or anything no i mean he could he could easily like terry or whomever could go too far and he could yeah. he could sacrifice himself in a moment that would shock because even though the show is very childish or childlike at times, it, it yeah. often can go to pretty dark places. Like we had said, like Miguel Brace mm-hmm. is back at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. And it's like the end of episode nine of this season where he's like screaming sensei because he like you think he just broke his back again on the mat. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was so mm-hmm. like emotionally impactful and, mm-hmm. and deep mm-hmm. and dark. Mm-hmm. That I feel like we could see we could see a death of one of these characters like John Kreese and it could be impactful. Yeah, I have no I have no idea For if the they're gonna do something like that. Yeah. Right. What's the guy's name who <laughs> Terry beat up? Stingray? Stingray Stinkray. Stinkray? That's it's a joke in, in the show. You gotta watch it. Sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to like implore you to watch Cobra Kai, Gabe. No, I you, think you, you, you have can, the fr- you're making a the good freedom case. to choose, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but when you were talking about death, like yeah. that guy almost got killed. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally like on a ventilator in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think, I think that's possible that some character could, that could happen too, but I don't see any reason why crease would just be going to do that right now. But I do think that redemption could come through him. And I, in fact, I almost expect it to come with his character in particular, but also with, like you said, balance with a lot of the characters. Yeah. I mean, it's balance in the force, right? It's star Wars. It's like this, that's what we're doing here Mm -hmm. is we want to like, I think we, uh, viewing audience, we want to hope that the characters are human. Like we don't want to just believe that some of them are evil and some of them are good, but that, that they can, like, just like we came to see with Tori this season and uh, Amanda LaRusso kind of mentoring her a little bit mm-hmm. and bringing out 
I mean, she was vicious to her daughter in season three and for that. But just like she sort of befriended her and saw the humanity in her, I think we're going to see that Mm -hmm. in myriad ways across a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we saw it in Hawk, particularly this season. So I think it's going to happen to almost everybody. I actually hope they don't scapegoat somebody and make them the bad guy, uh, including Terry Silver, who I think is the most apt to do that with right now. They already brought out a little bit of complexity, but just like they did when they brought Kreese back and they start to see part of his past. Mm -hmm. I think if they do that with Terry Silver, they'll bring in his past as well and you'll see why he is the way he is. And I kind of believe this about just humanity in general, but it's the old, you know, contemplative adage, if we don't transform our pain, we transmit our pain to others. Mm -hmm. And that's not really, it's on us, but it's not. It also goes much deeper and it's generational and you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. you know, all that to say, I hope that we I hope Chris doesn't die, but if he dies in a redemptive way, I could see that being a beautiful story arc for him. But yeah, but I th- I think they'll yeah they'll bring balance to the force at some point. Yeah, I I'm not sure who the showrunner is. Uh, the people mm-hmm. who are ultimately right. creatively in charge of the show, I don't even know. But they're doing a good job, and I really hope that going forward they continue to do that good job, and they see what they have and how they're going to end it, and that it ends well. Yeah. But so I guess I'll ask you this question as we wrap up here. But I'll ask you this. Yeah. Well, I guess two things. You watched this whole season in one sitting. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> it's only five hours. I mean, I get. I have three kids and a puppy and I get you know my windows eight o'clock every night is when I'm back so it was like eight to one it wasn't bad okay I love it I love it I love your commitment so second thing do you think this is the best season of Cobra Kai yet oh my gosh that's a good question when I, I haven't even thought about that uh I could also put it this way would you recommend this show to others now that you have the knowledge of this season it was the best season of Cobra Kai this year by far you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so my for instance is <laughs> I have a friend in just a friend up here in Santa Barbara. And I told her I, it was probably last year or two years ago. I was like, you got to watch Cobra Kai. And she's not like a Karate Kid fan. You know, she's <laughs> sure. she's got, you know, maybe almost 20 years on me. I don't know. Anyways, I was like, you got to watch this. And she watched it, you know, and she's like loves it. And now she's like going to watch it again. But she's not watching it because she's a Karate Kid fan or like a... Mm-hmm. You know, a, uh, a a martial arts movie or show fan. It's just like it sucks you in for some reason. It's got a little bit of a soap opera bone mm-hmm. to it, you know, in a way that's really funny. And what's crazy is, we, which we haven't even broached this subject today. Maybe this is for the Cobra Kai season five podcast, but there's like a lot of martial arts in this show. Yeah, like there's a lot of coordination going on and choreography. Like yes. there's there's some crazy fight scenes. Yeah, there is all the time. There's totally. a lot of them. Yeah, every little match has to have. I'm constantly an, surprised by it too. Like it's it's always really it keeps getting better. You know, it does. And people like Sam, who early on were weren't like you could tell were just like learning mm-hmm. what she was the actress what she was doing. She's mm-hmm. like pretty good in this season yeah, like yeah, for the first time really i was good. like wow anyways but my friend i told to watch it like loves it and we were hanging out last week and i was like did you watch the new cobra kai she's like no i haven't seen it yet because my husband doesn't like to watch it with me but i'm definitely gonna watch it you know <laughs> yeah so it's almost got that like telenovela deal totally. thing, which which again you don't have to be you have to just go in looking for fun and looking for something that's going to be human and trying to draw you in. You don't, it's not, it's not going to win an Emmy probably. I mean, like I said, so, but, but if you're open like that and I think it can appeal to a wider audience. So, so yeah, but it hits back to your original question of, is this good? It's like, well, like, (laughs) 
who's asking, you know, yeah. and like what, what are the criteria you're using to gauge mm-hmm. that question, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us gravitate towards uh, Netflix or something like that at the end of our day to just sort of quell the uh, experiences and anxieties we all carry. Mm-hmm. Like this is a great outlet for that. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah. That's really smart. I'd have to agree. Yeah. You going to watch it now, Gabe? Maybe. I Tim said a lot of interesting stuff about this <laughs> character dynamics, so. I'm glad that someone, not including myself, could convince you to. <laughs> well, I, I mean, sorry, Gabe, go ahead. I, no, that's that's the extent of my answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I'm not usually at the end of my day looking for that type of a show mm-hmm. that is just, so, it's like there to unwind with, you know? Yeah. I'm constantly looking for things that are going to poke and prod and challenge. Yeah. And be not just intense, but kind of provocative in that way but also mm. with a level of production and quality of writing that i feel like will <laughs> be consistent like throughout the show right because i i can enjoy stuff that's campy as well but yeah maybe it's like not enough to sell me on it in terms of like the setting right because it is yeah i also like like genre stuff and and fantasy and and like to go beyond just kind of everyday living yeah but did but, you watch one two and three or no the movies? No, Cobra Kai season one, two, and no, three. No, no, no. I haven't seen any of the show. Oh, okay, okay. Well, if you like campy at all, I really do think you will be surprised by the humanity in a really beautiful way that you're like, how did they pull that off? Yeah. I mean, I think that's why Steven even wanted to do an episode on this is like... It's bizarre. Why is it bizarrely yeah. human? Like, yeah. it's too... It shouldn't be because yeah. it's too campy. <laughs> Well, even from what you've just said in the last 30 minutes has gone a long way because basically the way Steven has described the show to me so far has been more just like it's I can't describe why it's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. But the way you guys have broken down the complexity of the show, like you said, it's surprisingly rewarding to watch. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I might check it out. Yeah. Well, I will say this as somebody who has had a Cobra Kai patch on his emo letterman jacket which is just my jean jacket with patches and pins on it for years before this show came out yeah before cobra kai has no business having four seasons yeah you know what i mean <laughs> but it does for a reason it does for a reason and it probably will have so one true. two or three more yeah mm-hmm. it definitely will have one more it probably will have two or three or more and if it goes beyond that we'd have to have a podcast about that but <laughs> it does not have any business doing yeah. this and i love karate kid i've got a johnny pin on my jacket too with his skull face painted on it. I have a Johnny, I used to have a Johnny and Daniel statue in my office. Like this is before Cobra Kai even came out. Yeah. So it doesn't have business being on TV, but it's too good to stop making. Yeah. And that's the, that's the conundrum, you know? Well, totally. I guess yeah. it, the numbers must be good for Netflix too, for them to be this far behind it. Right. Well, uh, you know, the other thing I was going to say, Stephen, is the thing we didn't even talk about, which is like a major theme of season four, is Johnny and Daniel trying to team up. Yeah. Which is the first time that's really happened in the show. They've had this like bromance thing going on for a while, you know, in terms of their rivalry that goes back decades and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of interesting dynamics that got brought out because they tried to combine their dojos Mm -hmm. and their methods and their strategies came, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like their true form sort of showed themselves and like they rubbed each other the wrong, the only way they really could, which showed what they really was really at the heart of their method, their uh, style, you know, their karate style. So, and there were some interesting dynamics that got brought out with the kids who were training with them. And, and then Sam really was, I think almost like the more, 
besides again Robbie just being like so even keel right uh, more like Robbie keel you know what I mean <laughs> uh, the entire season uh, his last name's Keen just in case you didn't catch that one Gabe uh, <laughs> no, I saw it. like it's good it's quality uh, Sam really figured out how to bring that balance in a way that most of the other characters didn't like Daniel sort of struggled right because he was worried that Johnny was sort of influencing her and also Johnny was worried that Daniel was influencing mm-hmm. Miguel and it was like this like but what mm-hmm. was cool is that they both saw that toward the end of the season and they both sort of were able, again, Daniel and Johnny had this separation thing and then they came back together, you know, in the, in the All Valley tournament. And they were able to see, like, I see there's right. value to Eagle Fang. I see there's value to Miyagi-Do. And I didn't want to admit it because we were being so dualistic yeah. about our styles. And yet Sam goes ahead yeah. and just, like, uses Miyagi-Do and when she needs Eagle Fang, she uses Eagle Fang. So there was, again, mm-hmm. this theme of balance comes back up. And it, season four, you know, did sort of embody that. I think the show's getting progressively better. I could say that. I guess season four, I don't know, it started a little slow, to be honest, but it, it did, it was kind of really, I think, better than a lot of what they've done before. But yeah. I think it can only continue to be deepened if the writers do a good job over the future of the show. So Yeah. Well, on that note, we will end here with a song from Cobra Kai. You should end with You're the Best Around from Karate Kid. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I should say, too, thank you for being here with us again today. Yeah. Thank you for being such gracious and wise hosts to these fun conversations about the things in life that keep us happy and uh, entertainment and media, though it can get a bad rap in our digital age of faux connections. There's still a lot of meaning and beauty that you all are curating in these conversations. So thanks for doing a great job. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I we, we try. No, you don't try. You do. That is true. Do, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> that is that is true. But thank you. My basketball coach used to say, your parents didn't try. They did. And that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. Well, thanks again, though, Tim. And hope to have you back sooner than later for the next one. Yeah, your insight is always great to have. I could just listen to you talk with Steven for basically the whole cast. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm enraptured. And then I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Anytime. Before we sign off, I also just wanted to give a shout out to my buddies, Charlie and Ryan, with whom. I chat about this show quite often so grateful for their opinions and wisdom and definitely want to let them know that we're sending them some love to the Midwest from the West Coast Try to be best cause you're only a man and a man's got to learn to take it Try to believe though the going gets rough that you 